November 4, 2020. It's a lot from Pedro's show. <laughs>
for Pedro Show, first Wednesday of the month. Uh, Brother Matt, the Love Grotto on the Pleasure Point, a couple miles south, because we're still in quarantino mode. But I am not totally man alone because of those software engineers in Estonia with their Skype invention. I got Dan Edelstein from London with me. Welcome aboard, Dan. Thank you very much, Mike. Really, really enjoying being here. Yeah. You sound crystal clear. Good. I'm very pleased about that. Must be that mic. (laughs) (laughs) Fingers crossed. Yeah. uh, People... uh, Dan here volunteered to use logic to record his side of the spiel. But we're going to try to wrestle it here from Pedro, make the Pedro-London connection. We start off the show with John Coltrane doing You Leave Me Breathless. And then the orchestra cardboard with Jolie. Now, you're right, Dan. I had Jolie on the show a couple months ago. Great guest great musician and steve weinstein phoner with the black flag now that's probably not the band huh no (laughs) but you know raymond raymond pettibone came up with the idea for that name because they were first called panic but he got the black flag from the flag in spain Is, is that got something to do with that yeah, something to do with it. Absolutely. It's uh it's the idea of a flag with no borders, you know? Uh like a like a flag I mean it sounds like a flag of mourning as well to me. It's a uh, it, I don't want to put it in a box, you know, the, this black flag, but it's um for me it's a sort of it's a feeling of anti-fascism. Yeah. You know, which seems important for, for right now. Yeah. In fact, uh it's kind of a tradition of it. <laughs> it's kind of a conservative value. Ah, you can't use that C word anymore. Huh? <laughs> uh, because, uh, really interesting. Uh, but those those four bars, that was supposed to be the flag waving. I remember somebody once called, uh, yeah, that's Henry in the four towels. <laughs> Dan. Yeah. Search back in your mind, your earliest musical recollection, please. I think it has to be growing up like as a sort of three, four-year-old child and just singing songs to myself whilst I played games, you know, um, uh, almost like narrating the story of the game through a song, you know, Um, and, and that just sort of, story and song song and story was always connected for me um you know right from that earliest earliest uh childhood really uh and i think i think music and, and loss as well uh for me is is tangled up um so um often i think um it, it reminds me of like the fact that my dad died when i was three and weirdly these songs began to sort of come to me in a weird way and it was sort of all all you know all, all tangled up with with that 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 strange childhood that i basically had uh so so yeah that's 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 kind of where it began it didn't begin by listening i you know i wasn't listening to a lot of records or anything because um my mum basically didn't really like music <laughs> i mean she liked it but but she liked it as something like that you would put on as an entertainment you know once once every month or 
or you know she'd have a cassette in the car occasionally but it wasn't like I grew up in a household that had lots and lots of music on so for me music was something that if I wanted it I needed to sort of create it you know uh, myself so that's the earliest type of music that, that that I had I think well three years old is good memory I can't remember shit when I was three uh, was where was this pad? Uh, it was it was like in Northern Ireland, uh, right on the coast. Like, well, it, we used to, I was brought up on an island in Northern Ireland, so quite remote, and also like kind of quite free as well. Like, we just used to me and my brother were just sort of out for days and days, uh, just roaming around all this like uh, amazing space, you know, and that we had the sea right next to us, and. Um, yeah, it's not the kind of Northern Ireland that you hear about in the news, really. You know of a town much... uh, called Seaford? Oh right, uh, yeah. The, there was a, there was a. I think there was a sailing school down in Seaford, okay. uh, not I not just, too far away from us. I just did a collaboration with a cat from there. He he got together with a cat in Dublin, a drummer man named Bushy. His name was Ian, and they asked me to play bass on one of their, like, nine-minute whalers, and then on the other side, uh, read a poem I wrote. So I have a little connection where you grew up. Now, inside the pad, was there... Your mom wasn't much of a listener, but was there any musical instruments? The only instrument that we had, and, like, I've sent you a song about this, the only instrument that we had was basically this this violin that used to live under the stairs that belonged to my grandmother, who had escaped from the Russian Revolution, and um, my mum always said, uh, you know, your grandmother's violin is under the stairs and you must at some point learn how to play it, uh, you know. And so weirdly, the violin was connected to the history of my family and, and where I came from. And my grandmother was a brilliant violin player and a dancer and a writer. Uh, and so for some reason, my mum seemed to focus the the memory of 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 this um you know bygone time and person on on me um so she seemed to connect me and the violin together uh and i tried to play the you know i, I tried to start learning the violin um you know as as a young kid uh so that was kind of like the first time i i, I actually tried to make music or, or you know just trying to basically pleased my mum. Um, did you take, and, did you take lessons? That, did a teacher I come to lessons. you? Yeah, I did. I took some lessons, um, but I only lasted about a term. And then uh, it wasn't on my grandmother's violin. It was on just a small, you know, a child's violin. And I, en <clears throat> I ended up actually having to, I ended up um, sort of throwing it, you know, like putting it down so hard that the bridge kind of gave way. Uh, you know, and my mum was so angry that she said, right, you'll never play, you know, you know, you'll never play that again. And she sold she sold that violin. That wasn't my grandmother's one. That was right. just a child's one. Uh, but so so unfortunately, my early childhood was I, I, I became quite rebellious uh, from the age of six. I was doing like some really crazy stuff. Uh, and I think somehow um you know <laughs> the violin and, and the music learning stopped at that point which was kind of sad uh but but i took it up again later uh but i just took up the guitar at that point 
What about at school? Were you in the choir or the marching band or shit like that? I tried to get into the choir, but I was told that my that I remember the phrase was that my um, my voice was in my boots. I was told by the choir singer, <laughs> uh, you know, the choir mistress or whatever. Yeah, that's, and she, that's yeah, she told me my voice was in my boots <laughs> and that I wasn't destined to sing. And 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 what, what was really interesting as well was that. Um, she was called Mrs. Sinclair and she had a child called Henry who was like the school nerd. Um, and uh, is that right? No, no, she was called Miss McArdle. But this kid, Henry Sinclair, who was the son of the school secretary, uh, he, he got everyone to say she was so, so mean. We should we should stage a rebellion in the in the class. Uh, and um, so he jumped up on this one time. This is amazing. He jumped up on the um, on the table and he said, "Come on, boys, let's get Miss McArdle." <laughs> so he he was staging like this rebellion, and we'd all agreed to do it. But then, with Miss McArdle in front of everybody at the piano, looking really harsh, everyone froze because she was like one of the most scary teachers at the school. <laughs> no one followed him up, um, and he ended up getting into some serious trouble. And uh, um, you know, everyone else just sat there frozen. Um, What's his name? There's a guy in the 1300s in England. His name was Tyler Watt. I remember the name, and he started some kind of rebellion. I think Richard II had to talk everybody out of it, and uh, they ended up cutting his head off or some shit. Uh, what was I the did. first record that you bought with your own money? Gosh, um, I think it was probably... It was probably Aha. Take, I have to be take, honest about take, that. Take me well, off. No, no, it wasn't. No, it was actually, no, it was Tiffany. Whoa, I just died in your arms tonight. <laughs> okay. I mean, I must I was very young. They're similar, similar kind of bands. One's more yeah. boy, one's more girl, but kind of new wave. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. They were kind of new wave and it was the 80s. I mean, um, it was, I think it was the early, early 80s or mid 80s. Sure. Uh, you know, I must have been about eight. Uh, my brother's first record, I remember, because he's just a year older than me, was like The Cutting Crew. Um, well, you know, when you're some... spending your own money, and you don't have a lot of money when you're young, so that's why you're curious. What was the first gig you went and saw? First gig? Uh, it was probably, um, we went to a music festival in Southern Ireland called Failure, and there were there were lots of indie bands there, um and um i remember like james were there and rage against the machine um and i think primal scream were playing there and we used to go there once a year every year uh so those were probably my first my first ever shows so your first gig was a big festival yeah yeah a lot of bands okay i want to play here uh the shetlands some islands near you Town, 
Looking for a dusky jewel I never found that all that glitters is not gone Let's go, let's go, let's go to Shetland in touch Do I ask too much my love Oh I so cold and grey Let's go Let's go Let's go to Shetland Sometimes I
Sunday man stepped out, landed on all of nothing. The void beneath was crawling with stuffing. Could not escape from the pumpkin laying below. Earth sucking madness with a pumpkin to grow. Orange was the color of his morning disdain. Orange was all he could smell in the rain.
A woodpecker whispers in your ear and everything changes. Tack, 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 tack. He's held in close, defying gravity, paused, upright, defying time. His audible fight. Tack, tack, tack. Faster than you can count, he wakes you from sleep. He wakes your mother's, your father's, your mother's mother, your father's father, so deep into time that your ancestral past cracks open and spills forth. Tack, tack, tack. Tack, tack, tack. A dance occurs, a romance unfurls. You bear witness to a courtship that happens lightly, a union that happens gladly. She answers, she listens, she measures every hill for its purity, its synchronicity, and she whispers in your ear, tack, 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 tack. You look at the world and wonder, what have we done? From so far back we see a future, and from so far back we see a need to drop everything, just for a minute, and witness just bear witness just quiet and stillness tack 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 it corrects itself through stillness it corrects itself tack Thank you.
The endless drain could have been different. Let me know where you are. Why did you lock me out of your English summer garden? I'm actually going to play that like kind of like live now with us both listening to it. Dan, it's already on there. It's zeros and ones. Like your voice and my voice is going to end up, but it's already there. People, oh, right. So, so you and I are not being recorded now, are we? Yeah, we are, Dan. Oh, are we? <laughs> we <have to laughs> okay. Tell the people what we just played. Okay. Or you want me still... to tell them what you've just played? You can't, Dan, because you ain't looking at the playlist, but I am, okay? Hold on. Okay. <laughs> the Shetlands Orchestra Cardboard. Agnes Steck out of that from Austin after that. Surprise cracker. Guy by voices from Dayton, the Pipers, the Vipers, the Snakes, Golden Ghost out of a, now it's, it looks like it's spelled Derby, but in England they say Darby, uh, Golden Ghost, a woodpecker whispers in your ear. Uh, after that from Brighton, England, Leopard from Hellbeans, and then also from Brighton, the day glow exploding super infinite with the unwelcome ghost of Lord Ha Ha. Then we're going back to the 60s, people, late 60s. Doubt that member of that town I told you, Darby? What's part of this lady's name? Her name was Delia Darbyshire. And she had come up with making music before synthesizer, but still electronic. She used oscillators and she used pieces of tape. And she actually came up and performed uh, the Doctor Who thing. And then finally, the car, uh, orchestra cardboard with Jolie Holland doing an English guard. Okay, uh, now you can rap, Dan. <laughs> okay. Wait, okay, I'm, I'm up for the rap. <laughs> I haven't written any rap songs for you. No, rap, rap, you know, I, I was born in 1957, so rap means to talk. Okay. Okay. I'm happy to talk. Probably, <laughs> probably easier if we just talk uh, rather than me actually rapping. But, you know, there uh, used to be a show be... when I was a boy here, and so when I, I I came from Virginia and I came here as a boy, Southern California, and there was a TV, a local show that was called Let's Rap, and people would come on and you know talk about what was going on. So this is before rap music, although there's Schooly D, you know, I mean, there's some great rap too. I never got into the word hip hop so much. I like the word rap, but it all—if you go back further—it just means to talk. Yeah, maybe, maybe rapport, right? It's probably an abbreviation. Um, what about the thing? You—you you told me you, you left the violin for guitar. Now, did you do the thing after school where you have the basement band, the the, the bedroom band, a, a garage band? I did that thing. Yeah, during school we had lots of. Yeah, I mean, all all that. I did a lot of that. Um, yeah, I had, um, there was a band, um, I think we called it quite literally Yes Mate. That was like my first band, I think, that I was in uh, with, with a friend of mine who, um, who, who went on to play lots and lots of music and in fact is still writing lots and lots of music, mainly for TV and film now. Um, but yeah, we used to busk as well in Belfast, um, 
uh, whenever we could. Um, and you know, we were just we just loved writing. Uh, we were we were mainly at the beginning. I think we were doing cover versions of things like James, you know, like sit down next to me and um, knocking on heaven's door, you what, know, what, Bob tell, me, tell me how you got on the guitar. What was your first guitar? Was it, was it electric guitar? Or was it uh, acoustic? I think it was more of a nylon stringed acoustic guitar. I mean, I got really into like, so when I was like 13 or 14, I got really into uh, Jimi Hendrix and, you know, I really wanted to learn to play guitar like lead guitar behind my back and everything. But all I had was this nylon string guitar <laughs> and like virtually no technical ability. Uh, so I remember like I resorted to like the easiest way of being Jimi Hendrix and just smashed this guitar up by throwing it out of a window and then sort of uh, just trashing it. You know, uh, it was weird because the well, school what, I was... What was your second guitar? <laughs> the, se the second guitar was... Um, I ended up getting a Fender Stratocaster. Uh, that was like my first electric guitar, but uh, we, we, and it was beautiful. It was absolutely gorgeous. But the the neck was never properly straight. I don't think because it would go out of tune a bit too easily. So eventually, I I, I sold that one, and um, I think from there, God, I, I can't. I I think I think I'm beginning to get towards my twenties. But by the time I've got rid of that guitar and um, I, I, the most beautiful thing that I got was a Flying V, a Gibson. Um, and I absolutely loved playing that guitar. But it, of course, it was so expensive. You know, I had no money. You know, I was in my early 20s that, um, you know, that was the only guitar I could then play on, you know, and I, I wasn't really slash or anything do you know what i mean i was more of a chords guy uh so really i needed something more acoustic-y maybe or, or something that could mix those two kind of um at least that could be versatile enough to play both sounds you said your uh that band was yes mate oh yeah that well no that that was when i was like a teenager yeah quite but still it's your first band what i'm getting at is what was your first gig with your first band like oh my god that would have been like very drunken teenage style gig where we're trying to impress whatever girls we can and not be kind of chased off by their parents type of thing. Um, uh, and, um, you know, it was those types of gigs that kind of like, you know, their parents, was it, at, was it at somebody's house? Somebody's yeah, definitely. It was a, it was at people it, like kind of in either in their garage or in their like kind of front room or whatever. Uh, and then, I mean, like you've got to understand as well that I, I, where I come from, you know, which is England. I also kind of went to some pretty repressive schools. And, and I remember once doing a gig at the school uh, around the age of 14 as well. And um, the teacher said, um, you're not allowed to you're not allowed to tap your foot. You know, it was a lunchtime concert. <laughs> so everyone had to sit. Everyone literally had to sit on these like chairs in a kind of very regimented way and like come and listen to a lunchtime concert, you know. And that was a band that I'd set up in the school called The Clouds. Uh, and the lead singer, you know, having it wasn't me. 
he 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 said, uh, you know, out in front of everybody, we've just been told you're not allowed to tap your foot. And, you know, <laughs> so he announced it like that. And then, like, all the teachers got very angry, you know. So we were all, you know, we were sort of like, um, I don't know, we were doing our best at rock and roll, but it was very, uh, it was in a very, very constrained environment at that point. Yeah, you know, they were just kind of making rebels. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I'll tell you what they managed to manufacture mainly was, uh, was was people who have no point of view, if if I'm absolutely honest, you know, oh, people well, who that, fit that, in and take orders. Well, that's probably their goal, but that's not what happened with you, Dan. Look, we're at the end of the first hour. November 4, 2020, Dish Watt from Pedro Show. Special guest, Dan Elstein. Hold tight for hour two. November 4, 2020. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show. When my mother was alive, she took me aside and handed me a battered case that lay in a cupboard under the stairs, forgotten for years and years, and told me that inside lay a great treasure. I undid a clasp, and before my eyes lay the broken, battered body of my grandmother's violin, repulsive, covered in dust, abandoned, decayed.
to paradise is just that. It is a road, and there ain't no turning back. From time to time, who knows the score? You're on a walkabout, geography of a soul.
about to get upset from watching my TV, been checking out the news until my eyeballs fail to see. I mean to say that every day is just another rotten mess, and when it's gonna change, my friends, anybody's guessing. Yeah, yeah, on Wednesday, I watch the rat. I see the cops out on the street, and I watch them throwing rocks and stuff and choking in the heat, and I listen to the reports about the whiskey passing around. I see this fucking fire and the market burning down. I watch for everybody on the street would take his turn to stomp and smash, or crash and bash and slash and bust and burn. But you can cool it, you can heat it. Cause baby, I don't need it. Take your TV tube and eat it. All that phony stuff on sports and all the uncontrolled reports. You know, I watched that run once until my head began to hurt. Checking out the way the newsmen say they get the dirt before the guys on channel so and so. The further they assert that the show they're interrupted, bring it news. And it comes up to see if the place blows up. They'll be the first to tell us the boys they are downtown work hard and do it as well. And if anybody gets the news before it hits the street, they know no one does it faster than the coverage can't be beat. I see the fires burn and the local people turning on the murders in their shops. They used to sell the villagers and the mobs and every other household item. Watch the mob just turn and bite them. And they say it serves them right because a few of them are white. And it's the same across the nation. Black and white discrimination. You, know, you can't understand me. And all the other jazz they hand me in the papers and TV. And this mass stupidity that seems to grow more every day. Every time you hear some people say, what's the boy doing again? Because the color of his skin just don't appeal to him. Because we gotta sit around and watch this thing begin. And I bet there won't be many of us who really see it in. Because the fire's in the street and like the fire in your heart. And in the eyes of all these people. Don't you know that this could stall? On any street, in any town, in any state, of any clown. Besides, there's now's the time to fight for an ideal who thinks is right. Nothing really more green. There ain't no great society as it applies to you and me. Our country isn't free. And if the law refuses to see us, all you can ever be is just a lousy janitor. Unless your uncle owns a store, you know they're violent. Every four just want to mount nothing more. But what's the rascal across the floor and make up songs about being poor?
this city well, Please don't make me go out there tonight Oh come sweet baby Pedro show. Uh, start off second hour with my mother's grand uh, violin. <laughs> my mother's grandfather. <laughs> my grandmother's <laughs> violin from Orchestra of Cardboard. See, I've been doing it all this time, Dan, but I still fuck up like crazy. Okay. Sam Bennett from Tokyo. Gotta let you go after that. The, the Human Hearts. That's Brother Franklin with Big Pink Heart. Thor Harris out of Austin with Robert Haverson. Rob Halverson doing things, Bill. Time of Your Life from Johnny Mark and the Ricks featuring the late, great Frankie Omwe. Miss him big time. Massive stroke killed him at 64. Um, Trouble Every Day from the Suns, brand new. And then finally, Sad Disco from the Orchestra of Cardboard. Now, Dan here's got a story about the grandmother violin song. People listen. Yeah. uh, So basically that, that, that song came about when my mother who who was dying basically told me that i had to take my grandmother's violin it it had always been somehow she she felt it was always going to be mine and um you know i always said no no no, you must keep it you keep it keep it but there came a point where she was really unwell and she said look it's time for you to take your grandmother's violin and i said okay i will take it but i will write a song 
you know, about this violin and about my grandmother. And it will be a song which involves the playing of this violin, even though I can't play it. Um, so I started writing a song and I'd been in Odessa uh, a year or two before and I'd met a, a blind accordion player who played this kind of waltz style song um, and um, and I thought maybe I could use that kind of waltz groove thing a, 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 as the beginning of the song because it was my grandmother came from Ukraine and um, so basically I got a really great violin player involved in the song and I worked with um, a close friend who, who was in an orchestra of cardboard with me on the arrangements and um, and the song is kind of like a homage, I suppose, for three three characters. You know, one is the violin itself, which I still have. Obviously, uh, it's an heirloom. Uh, one is for my mother um, as a kind of, you know, this grief contained in that song. And then the other one is my grandmother, who has already inspired many adventures, uh, you know, in my life. Uh, and who is just this wonderful character who represents in my in my imagination like lots and lots of freedom and and lots of exp exploration and and experimentation you know so the big number is three yeah in that song <laughs> well yeah but that's why i'm saying what's interesting about that brother dan is that you said waltz and most waltzes are in three four all right <laughs> Yeah, I've never thought of it. a lot of like country that. music too, but and and then jazz does a six eight kind of swing thing. Elvin used to do, but uh, that that that's interesting about it. Uh, I want to play this Germans in space.
Sunday in Maryland at the Alhambra tonight Just to go out and see who's on the scene I can't be telling you what's happening there You got the good and the bad and the drunk and obscene Oh, take me for a ride tonight Baby, take me for a ride 
and stuff that's because of the Turkish influence, and they're playing a lot of fives and sevens with that, that brass stuff. And, and they don't even think about it. They just, and it's kind of an oompa, but it's not too far of an oompa, you know? But if you grow up, it's just a natural feel. I had to, to, to try to cover one of the songs I had to, uh, for a mnemonic device, I used Taco Taco Burrito to get the seven. Ah. <laughs> yeah, ah, gotta good. do something right and when you can't feel it right uh, my pop used to say if you can't dazzle them with brilliance baffle them with bullshit okay we just <laughs> heard way of being free that's for your grandma from the composers we'll get into yeah. that but because everything's been orchestra c- uh, cardboard but we'll get in that and before that was James Allen brand new going down to here Marilyn a Pedro song I love Pedro wrote that saying it bad sam out of uh wales with american fat fucks thank you <laughs> the hawk <laughs> out of i was with no one knows before that are you a cop from their new album julie becker is awesome oh that's a tune can't remember what the album is. i think it's, it's uh eponymous which means the same name uh vamos de dolimbo Do it's portuguese not spanish uh they were on the show last week great cats with uh, Korchow and then uh, started it all off with Germans in Space Orchestra Cardboard. Tell me about Orchestra Cardboard. How'd that come together there, Dan? Well, that was actually, it was after the composers stopped uh, being a thing, which you, you played one of those songs as well. Um, what what then happened was that my, my close friend and, and um, writing partner, Nick, um, or, or really producing partner, uh, well, producing and writing often, he uh, moved off to Brazil from London. And um, I, I don't know if you, you you feel the same way, but there are some people that you just click with when, when, when you're working in different, you know, in different things. Absolutely. And with music, yeah, and with music, I just really clicked with Nick and we complimented each other. We just both had different skill sets in music. Um and he is a great producer and um and <clears throat> excellent kind of co-writer so i just missed working with him and i and then i thought like why can't, why do we have to stop working together really you know just because we're in different countries why can't we keep working and and we had we'd already put out some record you know some some kind of eps and stuff through the composers but we had never made this album so i actually contacted him again um and i said um look let's let's make an album let's just go for it screw the fact that we live in different countries let's try and find a way of working down the wires together you know like there's no reason why with the internet you can't record something and 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 you know with with whoever you want to work with and wherever they are why should we be constrained by these kind of ideas that you you need to have like a, a band who are all in the same place and all have exactly the same type of ethos or whatever, you know. So I so I began to think, well, we could just do this in a different way. You're talking, so then, you're talking about so, tra- uh, trading files. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, trading files is 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 definitely a way. Although he he comes back and forth from Brazil to London, so we do actually also record together in studios around London. But what I do miss is the live performance. And in fact, what, what what the the drawback of this is that it's much harder to actually get together and play. But when it first started out, 
he would just help me produce. So like with Germans in space and stuff like that, he would produce tracks for me. And then I had cut out, I created some cardboard uh, and my wife helped me as well. Some cardboard uh, cut out figures and I would go on stage with them and play the backing tracks that he created. And then I'd play over the top with my guitar and sing live. And so I did quite a lot of gigs that way around London Tell, tell um, me about the first one, the first cardboard orchestra cardboard gig. Okay, yeah, it was it was massive. I mean, it was so. There's a friend of mine who runs uh, a big club in London called um, Gosh. Um, I think he's got two club nights. I think one of them was called like something Ennui, like Worry, and the other one was called Club de Fromage. But they he drew like large audiences, so we had about. There's probably about five or well for me large audiences. It's five or six hundred people there, and um, I was supporting a band called the Hoosiers, who are quite well known, well or who were well known uh, in um, England, like you know back at the moment where I was doing this, and um, yeah, and I just basically got up in front of like hundreds of people. <laughs> I just went for it, you know, and I never. I've never played on my own like that before. And you had cats with you with cardboard heads? With Yeah, with these cardboard cutout things just standing there on the stage, kind of propped up with weird stands and then backing tracks. And then yeah, because they, they, they actually weren't playing, right? Because your buddy Ken, uh, Ken's was coming over the uh, PA system, right? Yeah, that, those, those things were basically just like big cardboard cutout kind of like you know cardboard mixed with wood effectively like just static things that can't actually play anything at all uh and yeah so it's just basically me with them it's pretty strange i guess for the for the audience i don't i don't think they were expecting it you know how'd you uh, get them there uh you didn't bring them on the subway uh i cannot <laughs> remember the detail of how i must i must have driven Okay. There's yeah, no real yeah. other way. I must. I've always had a van of okay. one kind or another, so they must have just come in the van. Okay. In the back of the van, yeah. Now, now how was the response? Well, um, from I the think, gig goers. Yeah, I think I think people enjoyed it. I just don't think they were expecting it. You know, uh, they they'd come to see a, a quite a traditional indie band, um, a kind of what I would say is a kind of middle of the road indie band. But there was this kind of like totally kind of quite quite chaotic. Well, I wouldn't say chaotic, but quite experimental thing in in front of them. Dan, you know. Dan, I think that's great, man. I think what you did because when things get typical and predictable, it's over, man. You might as well just be sleepwalking or painting the number or connecting the dots. So what you did was great. I'm I'm on your side, Dan. Look, we're at the oh, end of the true. second hour. I, November 4, 2020. Special guest Dan Edelstein. Edelstein, start. Hold time for hour three. November 4, 2020. It's the third hour. The lot from Pedro Show. Tom, girls, 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 why 
go The people you know The choices you make Is the route that you take Oh yeah Something I'd like To take to Show we start off the third hour with the orchestra cardboard. Now you understand why it's an orchestra cardboard, people. <laughs> Dan's got a bunch of cardboard stiffs literally behind him. Are they behind you or, or next to you? Uh, yeah, they're around me. They're, they're like around. they're like okay. bands. It's like Stonehenge. <laughs> yeah, it's like Stonehenge. It's a bit. I mean, you know, they're they're kind of more like behind me, but to the left and the right, like a normal band should be, yeah. right? <laughs> Oh, I hate that word normal. Okay, yeah, not normal. You mean then, typical, but, typical. Yeah, a typical band. Yeah, but, when but, people say normal, why can't they say it? healthy? At the time, though. You know uh, what I mean? When I, I hear that word normal, I just like, like, I'm thinking of like where you went to school there when you were young and everything's all strict and shit. Okay, yeah. we had the Psycho Town and then Wasted Space with the Lost Tapes number three. Side F of Alice Croupier. The final 
three cassette thing from Bronze Age UFO out of Balmore. And finally, Portraits in Rain. Portraits in Rain. I get, you know, if you're going to pick two things in the world, why not Portraits in Rain? <laughs> or, or what about a portrait of Rain, like Vincent, right? His, his brother was packing all that fine art from Japan, and Vincent gets part of the newspaper for like a whorehouse ad, and, and he copies that. Amazing. You know, we were talking about why I, I like to talk about people's journey on the show. Because everybody's journey is different. You know, for example, Joe Biza didn't start guitar until he's 27. Vincent, uh, he only painted his last 10 years. He drew when he was young, but he never painted. So, no wine before it's time. Uh, I noticed the orchestra cardboard. You'd like to do a lot of collabs. Yeah, I do. I mean, like, it seems to me the question is, like, why not, you know, when the technology is there? And I guess if you... Uh, there's a, co- you, there's uh, a color... Uh, uh, what's it called? A col- cor- corollary? There's a corollary yeah. to that. Yeah, I'm using geometry talk here. Why, why does a dog lick his balls? Gosh. Are you going to tell me the answer? Yeah, of course, because he can't. And and I think that's the same thing. I mean, if, if it's in the realm of possibility, yeah, why not? So since you worked it out with Nick, being able to, like, collab over many miles, uh, you've got the collab thing kind of down, so why not bring in, you know... That's kind really- of what I was thinking. Yeah, we didn't used to do that so much, like... Uh, we started to collaborate a bit with different singers like um around london so on that on that song with the um the grandmother's violin song yeah. we got this this singer called garant who's a french singer uh based in london that we know and she came in and then and then i was recently doing a song which i really wanted a german voice in um, and it was a song like it's on it's on our um, Spotify uh, called Not the End of the World, you know, and I wanted it to kind of have a robotic, slightly kind of science fiction vibe. I sometimes imagine these things like these songs are like films almost and you're trying to almost like cast the voice, you know. Uh, like almost like you, you the, the person who does the voice is like an actor, if you like, taking you into a world and a situation. So you know, I don't think one has to, there's no need to necessarily have to sing all your own songs. You can write songs and, and try and find people whose voices can bring them to life in a way that, you know, I couldn't like, so, so, um, so that's kind of like how I've been thinking about that. But then also the, the music, you know, there are musicians out there who just play amazing stuff who are just totally unique and and maybe you just want to sprinkle a little bit of that into that into that song you know and and see where it goes you know you don't it's life is just one big experiment in a way so so why constrain oneself to these kind of rigid structures of of a rock band you know or whatever whatever that's supposed to be i i think you can always question things and and sort of um try and try and invent the thing that you want you know that that's kind of that, that's how i begin to think about it and it's only quite recent that we started to collaborate more and that's where the collaboration with uh jolie and stevie came in because yeah i mean uh it was well, what, um, about, what, what about this dan 
Jess Braun. Oh yeah. Okay, I want to play. That, that, let's let's play uh, credit accuracy. One thing I know for certain We gotta stick it to the man behind the curtain We got to draw the line Meritocracy is the kind of society that I think we're living in, where most people are very deeply in debt that can never be paid off. Never, never, never be paid off. Paid off. The point is that the creditor class wants us to be in a lifetime, lifetime of debt service. You don't want us to pay off our debts entirely, because if you pay off your debt entirely, you're no longer a source of profit to creditors. So they want to keep us on the hook for as long as possible. Until the day we die. Until the day we die. The grave. Beyond the grave. The grave. The grave. The sheer hypocrisy of the morality of death. If you don't pay your debts, you're a bad person. If you're not working harder than you'd really like to be at something you don't enjoy, you're a lazy person. The morality of work and the morality of debt, I think, are the major things that are holding the system together. And if we can do something to undermine that, I think the whole thing will just start falling apart. We'll be forced to actually figure out a more reasonable way to live. Things are not going to change unless people start to actually act themselves and build power at the grassroots scale and in, in, um, in the financial markets. We're, we're not going to have a system, we're not going to have a system, it's not going to happen. I was sitting getting my hair cut, and I said, oh, have you seen this thing my friends are doing? I studied economics, so I'm kind of fascinated by the idea of debt and the fiction of money. What can you do, what can you do, what can you do that isn't about throwing bricks through windows? It's better than throwing bricks through windows, it's throwing bricks through mines. Throwing bricks through mines. One thing I know for certain our elected officials have had six years now since the financial crash, and they've shown that they cannot protect the citizenry from economic harm. So, as a result, we think the citizenry is perfectly justified taking that relief for itself. By any means, by any means, any means, economic disobedience is basically what that resistance and that refusal is. We're convinced that without a Dutch movement, a democracy, popular democracy, real trouble.
show last music for this edition we started it off with Jess Braun and Dan Edelstein doing creditocracy now I noticed it ain't it ain't credited as orchestra of cardboard and then we had snork sonata for Glenn Gould the Xenocratic AMM all-stars featuring uh, myself Ben Watson had me aboard there's a group of uh I think the drummer man was from Vandergraaf generated uh, the, uh, real improvisers and stuff and I've been submitting some minute long bass voice and they put together that tune out of uh, three of them and then finally orchestra cardboard cigarettes at the end of the world so yeah Jess Brown and Dan Edelstein why, why that credit and why not cardboard orchestra cardboard it might be orchestra cardboard eventually actually it just I- it's because I was rushing, um, you know, to, to, to credit that one. Um, and I, I haven't really talked to her about how that goes out. But basically that, like Jess, Jess Braun has basically helped write all the music, or not all the music, because actually me and Nick did some. And um, I think Jolie and Stevie, one of those songs is on there too. But Je- Jess was like the main writer on the film that that we've made that's coming out in december um and um as part of that i really wanted to try and take some of the voices from the film um we're talking about credit you know as 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 i'm sure you've got it there creditocracy this idea of a creditor class who are trying to indebt people and basically turn us into economic slaves you know and I wanted to try and get some of those theorists and because I loved what they were saying and I wanted to try and splice it up, you know, but I don't have the technical abilities to do that. I, I, don't, I do not know how to do that. So, so um, Jess was just brilliant and she, she's incredibly, um, she, she's very dynamic. She works very fast. Uh, she, she just has such a, you know, like the whole, the, the whole idea of producing is like an instrument in her hands that she could just, she could just, chop things up and turn them into whatever she wants. You can create whatever she likes. So it's, it was really interesting to work with her. And she's a brilliant singer as well. That's the thing that she really loves the most. I think she sees herself as a singer. Uh, but I also see her as, a, as an amazing producer. And it was just really lovely to be able to, to, to kind of collaborate with her on that. So, yeah, 
there's there's a number of songs there that I would like to kind of put out on a CD or, or, or bring out somehow when the film comes out. So it's not like right now it's the focus is the, the, the album, The Antidote with Jolie and Stevie and Nick. But I think po- when that's finished, we'll we'll bring something out me and Jess and it might it might go under orchestra of cardboard but it's just that she's done most of the hard graft I've just come in saying I'd like to take these voices and do this this and this you know she's done she's done more of the hard graft so I don't know if it's fair cardboard we call it the heavy lifting Dan where can people find you on the internet um well <clears throat> um Spotify is Orchestra of Cardboard. There's also an Instagram for no, Orchestra. No, no, no. That's other people's telephone poles you can put flyers up on. I'm talking about your own website. Okay, my website is bankjob.pictures, really. That's where that's where most of Oh yeah, and Orchestra of Cardboard. Yeah, cuz I found Orchestra of Cardboard Dot com. Oh, well done. Yeah, yeah. See, now I'm going to the wrong place because I'm so obsessed with bank job at the moment that I just said the wrong one. So, yeah, orchestraofcardboard.com is, is the right place. And um, it's a great yeah. site. You got a lot of stuff. You got a picture there when you were three years old or something. <laughs> yeah, you see, because it always goes back. You know, you asked me uh, earlier in the show what was my first musical memory or whatever. And it's always, for me, I always go back to that time when I was, like, such a young kid. Um, yeah, it, it, was the, it was the beginning of me. And, you know, I was sent away to boarding school as well, uh, you know, at the age of five or six. Um, and onwards, I, 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 I didn't stay at home. I was, I was away. So music was the only thing that would connect me to, like, some kind of lo- like so- something that made sense. Wow, that's I used beautiful. to listen to music on headphones the whole time, uh, yeah, you know, at night. What we're saying is music ain't just some frivolous little side thing. It can be really fucking strong in your life. Totally. I mean, it was it was the thing that kind of kept me sane. And also that I thought that there is a there is a world beyond the walls of this kind of repressive dormitory, you know. <laughs> yeah, thank God. OK, people, it's been November 4th, 2020 Dishwap Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>